You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right, before we jump back into our series on creating emotionally safe space Mm -hmm. in our ministries and churches, here's our opening question. We're going to stay on brand, okay? All right. What ongoing... Our brand? On brand, you're like on brand, meaning like we're talking about emotional health. Gotcha. We're two seconds in. You already, you already. I just, uh, on brand would be like as though we have a brand to be on. No, no, no. Brand like on subject. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. All right. So what ongoing world issue or challenge makes mm-hmm. you immediately, viscerally angry? Mm-hmm. I have so, I have so many. I could spend, I could do a whole series just on this topic. I have a lot and I'm going to. I just, the disclaimer is I'm making a a conscious choice not to like wade into like the political land. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to pick something different. Not because there aren't other things that make me really upset. (laughs) Yeah. This one's just going to make me feel shallow comparatively, but I'm going to use this one. So, uh, especially interestingly enough, over the last few weeks, uh, I've had several people, including you, point out I'm a big experience guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that that's something I would have like consciously said about myself previously, but it's one of those things where somebody says it and you're like, well, that's 100% true. Meaning it's, like, just so people understand, yeah. you really care about like, you want the experience, yeah, yeah. the total experience to be great. Regardless of what you're doing at a restaurant, doesn't matter. At, like, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If you go to Starbucks, I want, and I think, I really think Starbucks broke me because mm-hmm. they had like music outside and mm-hmm. we did these things called values walks and it was all about creating a good experience. I'm mm-hmm. like having these realizations in this moment. This yeah. is like therapy for me right now. Okay, now good. you know my therapy sessions. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, so big into that, I think, you know, and sometimes based on the experience you expect, you have to pay it. And I feel like, especially, Ever since COVID happened, and even some previously, but for sure since COVID happened, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're willing to pay. It doesn't matter. The experience that exists in the world, whether it be as a customer, whether it be as, you know, like you're staying at a hotel, you're doing mm-hmm. any, it just is disappointing mm-hmm. because there the lack of people who care about that who are competent at their jobs out there mm-hmm. who are like passionate and excited about delivering that kind of experience it's really like horrible mm-hmm. and 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 in a way that makes me feel like you want to know what delivers my apple tv and netflix <laughs> and my couch and my air ca- like seriously like it does put you in a place where it's hard to leave your house cuz you're like does, well yeah. i can have a meal that i know exactly what's in it cuz i made it and i'm no like i have a I, I might have shared this before but i have a reach in freezer in my spare bedroom walk-in mm-hmm. closet that only exists to have Lou Malnati's frozen pizzas <laughs> yeah, in it. Yeah, it's one of the best and, things you own. And 
always good. Yeah. So I feel like I could just stay at home, watch TV, and have a pizza, and the experience is great. The moment I let that door shut behind me, all bets are off. Yeah. And that makes me really upset. I know. I think that was a good disclaimer at the beginning because I, I was thinking more in, in the context of data. Obviously, there's like these huge yeah. world cultural right, right, issues right. that are just like sickening. But and as we've far talked as like, plenty about yeah, those. But, yeah. but like from a day-to-day, especially in this current, the current landscape of like post-COVID and all this stuff, like I had an experience. Um, so big ideas. I'm tired of stuff just closing whenever it wants. Oh man. And like, and I understand the staffing thing is complicated and apparently everyone's quitting their job. And I have no idea if everyone's on unemployment or how that's working. But like the other day, uh, we live, our, our air quality in Salt Lake city for people that don't know is atrocious. Mm-hmm. You so live you in have, a big bowl. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. get your car washed constantly because there's just poison raining out of the sky. Mm-hmm. So I went to the car wash and, uh, they're not sponsoring this podcast. So I'm going to name them. It's quick sure. quack. I don't quick think they're quack. listening. Um, my experience with them has been pretty great. I haven't mm-hmm. had like yeah. major problems with them. I yeah. mean, like everywhere else, it's like no one will make eye contact yeah. or anything like that. But you don't ex- you don't go in expecting a lot. No, yeah. that's a pretty low bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I do expect them to be is open when they're During supposed their to be open. Operating hours. So yesterday, because you pay a fee, yeah, for unlimited right. whenever you want. So yeah. I pull up. There's two lanes. Both lanes are blocked with an A-frame. One, ironically, has their hours, mm-hmm. which said 7 a.m., and I was there after 8. Mm-hmm. And the other one said, we're with our flock, which I hated. The cheekiness of it just mm. made me all the more mad. And they do it all over there. All over yeah. the place. So I was like, all right, well, maybe it's just this weird window. So I leave. I go back today. Same thing. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. And so I drive to another one. I spent 30 minutes today driving to closed car washes and the other one had the exact same thing, Hmm. but it's not just like, I don't like, I had someone, I see like driving by fast food places Mm -hmm. that regularly say like, Oh, we're closed for no staff. Even Starbucks here has done it. And they're like, absolutely. We'll be open at 11. Yeah. Like who, 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 how is that prime coffee time? 11 a.m.? Like, yeah. most people are well into their day at that point. Totally. Well, I had that experience just the other day. I was uh, working late uh, myself and then the MyXP bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Her name's Shanna. We were working late. We're working on retooling some stuff. And I oh, had yeah. expected it to go, like, maybe an hour. And it went, like, three. Mm-hmm. And so we got finished at about seven, which... Uh, if you don't know me, I get like Snickers commercial hangry. Oh yeah. And so I was ready to eat that moment. And I felt like, you know what? Uh, There's no chance I'm going home to make something. I'm hungry right now. And I felt like the least I can do is offer to take her and her husband who had expected her to be home sooner than she was out to dinner to make Mm -hmm. up for the longer experience. Right. And so we decided, you know what? But we also wanted something quick. It wasn't like a bougie dinner. We were tired and all of that. And so we decided Shake Shack. That'll Mm -hmm. be great. So we go to Shake Shack And there is a sign on the door that says you can only order online. But it was a beautiful night, and they have an outdoor patio, and they can't, like, really keep you out of that because it's, like, you know, open air. And so I open the app, and nothing. So I start just banging on the door. (laughs) And and somebody comes out, Uh and I was like, "Um, what? is happening. I, mm-hmm. it says only online, but, and she's like, Oh, we're overwhelmed right now. The online ordering is going to be turned off for probably the next 45 minutes. Oh my God. I'm like, what? And I looked at her, I was like, does your corporate office know about this? And she goes, yes, they do. And she walked back in and shut the door and I was serving and they were hungry as well. So I said, you know what? Let's go somewhere. And so at this point we're in like a row of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so we decide, 
Um, let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings Mm because it's right next to it. Uh, I don't eat Buffalo Wild Wings much, but Mm -hmm. I like Asian Zing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, don't ever look at the (laughs) caloric intake, but whatever. it's bad. And so then we went there, sign, or so we went in, they were open, and uh, I was like, oh, and like there was no one in there. And I was like, great, table for three. She's like, it'll be an hour and 45 minutes. And I said, what? And she goes, we have one server and one chef. And so we're only allowed to seat two tables at a time. And we just sat two and these people are waiting as well. I was like, what the world? So then we ended up going to this like burger joint next to it, which at that point, nothing could satisfy and it did mm-hmm. not. And uh, yeah, I understand it. it I just don't, irritated. I just don't understand like how, how, how the world continues no. from like a retail standpoint in particular. I just don't understand how anything <laughs> survives going forward. I would like to exchange my money for goods and services <laughs> and people are just unwilling to let me have it at it anyway. Uh, All right. right. Well, it's good that we started off nice and angry. (laughs) Let's jump back into uh, our conversations about creating emotionally safe spaces. Uh, Last week, if you missed uh, part two of this series, we talked about the need for leaders to go first in doing their own work and pursuing their own emotional health. And this week, we want to talk about um, why we need to see emotional health as, and we're going to use the phrase that, that you coined, not coined, but that you brought up. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It, it, the, we need to see it as the whole enchilada. Uh-huh. Okay. I like it. I, when you said that I laughed and I thought that was funny and I like to know where words come from. Sure. So I looked up like, where does that phrase come from? Yeah. Turns out no one knows. Everyone agrees on the meeting, but no one understands where it came from. But the point is of the phrase is like, it's like the whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is a huge, huge sum of, of what our work is as ministry leaders. And I've referenced this book multiple times on this podcast, but in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro, his basic working premise is that you can't be spiritually mature Mm -hmm. while remaining emotionally immature. And uh, the irony is that as ministry leaders, we spend so much time trying to get people to be spiritually mature, all the while neglecting emotional, mental maturity. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of, of that their entire emotionally healthy ministry now is saying, like, we have to learn to integrate emotional health mm-hmm. into our spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And um, I have... I, I I believe that because I, number one, I see that in scripture. And number two, it has been one of the most profound experiences of my life. Totally. Learn, needing to learn the importance of integrating those two things. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, and I think for me, um, you know, uh, th- that idea of deconstruction and all of that mm-hmm. is so popular. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the best way that I can articulate Um, how I've been experiencing God over the last couple of years as a renewed understanding of who he is and how he works and how he thinks about me. Mm -hmm. And that has all been driven by uh, just a focus on mental health Mm -hmm. and a focus on emotion, uh, being emotionally healthy. And I think that um, those are not things to your point that are talked about in youth group or at Mm -hmm. conferences or any of those types of things, but they are things that I have felt, um, a very deep hollowness in my relationship with God apart from them. Yeah. So I, I think, I think the way that I want to start this is um, I think about like, as a human, you are an emotional being. 
and you experience this huge wide range of emotions. And we experience those things because we are created in the image of a God who experiences the full range of emotion as well. Sure. And so to neglect emotional health is to neglect the very context in which almost everything else in our lives takes place. Mm -hmm. And so we need to, to really see that. And so what we're going to do today is just talk about how some of the most common issues that we face as pastors, like the regular things that we find ourselves like beating our heads against the wall, mm -hmm. the obstacles we constantly are running into universally, regardless of your context and all of that, there are often underlying emotional issues that get ignored and neglected mm -hmm. or that we are just unaware of. And if we could see how it's not just all these other things that we make it about, it'll give us a lot more fruit in trying to attack some of these problems. That Absolutely. makes sense? Yep. So the first one is, um, I would just start with ourselves again. Like we started last week, leaders have to go first. I would say one of the most common issues that we face that are often, that, that are obviously deep emotional issues is our stress our own personal grief, our weariness with the work that we've been called to and people pleasing. Mm. And so I've been to, like you, a lot of pastors conferences yep. and ministry conferences in my life. It's almost always focused on like ministry is often gets pitted as like the hardest job on the planet, which we've talked about. We don't necessarily, it's, it is uniquely challenging, but I don't think that's a fair statement at all, mm -hmm. but it often gets positioned that way. Yep. And then like, and it's just the nature of the job or it's the nature of the schedule or mm -hmm. it's the weight of the responsibility. Totally. And I would say that those are all factors for sure. Like, but I do not believe that, that that is the totality of what makes ministry hard. Sure. I think we all live in the present out of our past. Yeah. And so the That's less good. aware we are of the impact that our past has had on us, the more it will continue to play out and drive the present and we will be completely unaware of it. And totally. we will be blaming the wrong things. Like if I could just hack my schedule or if I could just deal with the problem people, you know, as if anyone's not a problem, including ourselves. Sure. Um, then that would fix everything. And that's just not, not true. And so yeah. the question is always one of awareness. Am I aware of the impact of my past on my present? Yep. And am I learning to steward that and manage that in a healthy manner? Sure. And that's just so important as you interact with people, as people interact with you, just recognizing the kind of starting point or the point of reference that people have. Mm -hmm. Um, it, yeah, it's just like to know that your own trigger points, to know when something happens that makes you angry and you understand that like, yeah, it doesn't mean that like that person is justified in what they did, but the fact that it got you from a like two to a 47 mm -hmm. um, just is not necessarily because you're just like righteously angry and turning <laughs> over like right. change tables in the temple. Mm -hmm. It could be that something... Uh, happened to you or something that you've experienced really led you there. Mm -hmm. And so being able to like interact with others informed with that really does cause the amount of relational damage you're going to do to yourself and to others, uh, to, to, uh, lessen quite a bit. I mm -hmm. think uh, we were even talking this week about uh, at one point I was a big fan of like, you know, uh, an email being sent that needed to like 
basically tell someone off. Mm-hmm. And I think that like a manifesto. Yeah, for sure. A Jerry Maguire memo. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, um, uh, as I've gotten older, I've rec- I recognize that, uh, it's good to just sit on some of that stuff and really think through why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that relationally or with people in your church, you don't eventually still have some sort of conversation, but when you filter it through all of those experiences, the conversation you have is so much different than the email that you should have never hit send on. Yeah. As a general rule, mm-hmm. If you have a pattern of confronting people via email, yeah. you need to get therapy. Yeah. <laughs> just period. And there should be like, like Gmail just shouldn't work from certain times <laughs> in the night, you know, from like 8 p.m. until That's 6 right. a.m. Like they can't be sent because yeah. all the ones I've sent and received have happened outside of that time. Yeah. And there should be like a list of things like, have you been drinking? Have you eaten? Right. <laughs> Has someone hurt your feelings today? And if you answer yes to any of those questions, email yeah. should just shut down. Right. There's like exactly. a 12 hour wait. There's some sort of blood game. pressure meter to, That's right. instead of a face ID. It's that. But, but anyway. in all seriousness, yeah. because our ministry like we are the ones participating in the ministry, this reason alone, our Mm -hmm. own emotional issues should make us see why this is so much the sum of what ministry is, but it's not all we've got more. Yeah, absolutely. I think the next one is relational conflict. And so I think that could be relational conflict with you, relational conflict with one another, Uh, just in general. um, That's something that uh, I think happens in every church. I think uh, even churches that we've been a part of, even our own church here, uh, when you plant a church and you're really passionate about how you lead it and things like that, and you're committed to, you know, not hold on to people too tightly and all of that, you can create an environment that feels utopic for a season. Right. Um, and just like, you know, uh, like a, a biblical phrase, uh, it came to pass. Yeah. And <laughs> those times can come to pass. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you are in a situation where relational conflict, I don't know, a pandemic will do that to people or yeah. whatever the case might be. And again, what is underlying in that for you? What is driving, like, why were you so wounded by mm-hmm. the thing that person said that, um, wasn't meant in the way you felt it or why, you know, as you're, as you're kind of um, moderating those conversations with others, like what's going on here that is causing it to uh, again, just go to a, you know, a high escalated situation when you feel like I don't really get it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. There's a, there I've been, I've been learning about this common experience that we have uh, that is called transference. Now I'm not a therapist. So if I botch part of this, be gentle, but Zach, yeah, Zach transference. My understanding is essentially when you take emotions uh, or feelings or desires that you have toward or about someone from your childhood Mm -hmm. and you project them onto someone totally different. Mm. So an example of this would be, there is the spiritual direction program that I'm a part of was created and founded by a man named Terry Wardle, incredible author, spiritual director, teacher, one of the most brilliant people I've ever had the privilege of learning from. So I would encourage you to read anything he's written. But his name is Terry, which is also the name of my biological dad. Mm. He also looks almost exactly like my biological dad. Mm. And 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 so I went in the very my very first night. He was the very first person that that spoke. I'd flown all day long. And I was mm-hmm. exhausted, and so he gets up to speak. I'm one of the only people in the room that was not like a fanboy. Like a lot of people come because okay. like he is sure. a well known yeah, teacher. Yeah. I just for some reason 
like he's flown beneath my radar. I didn't know about him. Sure. So he gets up and he's introduced and here comes Terry. And, and I was like, Oh my God, why is my dad running this program? Sure. <laughs> so, so I felt, wow. I felt really like overwhelmed by that. Yeah. And in addition to that, he is a, an influential, thoughtful, well-known spiritual leader. And mm -hmm. I, I have some wounds in my life from other people like that. You don't say. Yeah. And so I've just tried to like pay attention to that. And I've noticed that I have really kind of kept my distance from him, mm. even though he's very warm and like sits with people at meals sure. and everything. I just have not, I just have not really engaged there. And sure. that's an example of me taking these yeah. feelings I have from my own childhood and projecting it onto someone else. My point in this is to say that number one, we do that. Mm -hmm. And number two, other people do that with us as well. Absolutely. I can think of a multitude of times in the last year in particular, yeah. when someone has, has, like I have been in some degree of conflict with someone sure. and I realize, Oh, this doesn't have anything to do with me. You're mad at your dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's an important, uh, experience to have some degree of understanding on so that we can be able to discern when that's taking place. Yeah. And at the same time, I think I would just add this final caveat that says like, you can't blame something like transference every time someone, like sometimes people like you have conflict because yeah. you suck Yeah. For and sure. you were mean yeah. or you wronged someone or you mishandled a situation. And then if they're mad, like that's on you, you sure. screwed that up. But sometimes these things ha happen and you you have been faithful, yeah. but something about you has triggered this sort of emotional memory from the past most of the time that people are completely unaware of, and it gets projected onto you. Totally. And if you don't understand that, I think that can be really a crushing experience over and over again. Well, I was even in a situation not that long ago where um, uh, I had to facilitate something and the impact it had on the participants was wildly different from one another. Mm -hmm. uh, so much so that like, uh, I got a few pieces of feedback that were incredibly critical mm -hmm. uh, and some accusations and that type of thing. And I think to your point, to just dismiss it altogether. And so uh, it did give me the opportunity to go to some of the others who were participating who hadn't provided that to, you know, open up to them like and say, hey, I'd love for you, like I'd love to create a space where you feel like you can let me know what you think, mm -hmm. but you know, here are some of the tenets of what I'm hearing. Uh, what was your experience? And and to really understand. But then, as some of those things have come out uh, months and months later, it has turned out there was a lot more. It was much more complicated mm -hmm. than just um, I led a meeting that that didn't set right with you. There was a lot more going on to it. I just happened to be the like you know you think of a funnel, mm -hmm. and I was just at the base of the funnel. Yeah. Not not always, but oftentimes our responses say way more about us than they mm -hmm. do about anyone else or totally. what's been done to us. Totally. Again, that's not always true. Sure. Um, but sometimes people do awful things. Totally. And sometimes someone doesn't really do anything and mm -hmm. we're responding again out of these past wounds totally past so they that they, they have to be addressed even past wounds or sometimes it can be what else you're experiencing in this moment totally that is just it like i don't know if it's transference or if at that point it's just misdirected anger yeah, i'm just but pissed at the car yeah, wash I, I like watching different like bravo reality shows the number of times someone gets like blown up by their boss and then takes it out on somebody mm -hmm. that works for them it's like 
I mean, it's like guaranteed you could put money on it almost to, yeah. to know that that's going to happen. And so recognizing that about yourself, taking yourself out of those situations when you are heightened and, and also being self-aware enough to know like, man, now is not the time to engage in this conversation or yeah. that one. Yeah, that's good. For sure. So you, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, but another issue that's really increasingly common right now is doubt and deconstruction. Mm. And I've been, I mean, I've to some degree been paying attention to a lot of the conversation online about this. And, and so often this is being um, addressed at a purely cognitive level. Yeah. As if like, if we could just answer all the questions and deal with all of the points of doubt, then this will cease and people's faith will be strong. Yeah. And oftentimes we miss the emotional factors beneath the surface that are driving or influencing the issue. Totally. Which means that you're, you're like, I'm not saying that there is no cognitive element. I'm saying it's important to understand that beneath the cognitive one is an emotional one. Yeah. It's not just cerebral. No, it's not. And, uh, that was a good word. I like that. It makes me always makes me think of X Men and Cerebro, but <laughs> um, but I I can think of people in our, in my in our own life over the last couple of years that have to use the the phrase that is common right now have deconstructed all the way out of their sure. faith, and to a person mm-hmm. there is always a very deep underlying and unaddressed emotional wound. At play that has been the catalyst behind all of this, uh, like cerebral to use your, your phrase or cognitive Mm -hmm. questions and doubts. And then that just sends people down a a, a path where they're only going to read a certain type of author that affirms what, what they're, what, what, what they want to have affirmed. They're going to listen to the podcast that affirm what, because it's this way of soothing this wound. And I think that that is a huge part of, of this issue that's not being addressed. People are trying to soothe a wound. Yeah, They're absolutely. not just trying to work through this puzzle in their head. And we serve a very, uh, a God who like has created emotions mm-hmm. and therefore utilizes emotions in our experience with him. And I think that for those that are deconstructing, they want it to stay in their head because sometimes I've even had an opportunity to sit across from some of them to say, but, but what about the experiences you've had with God? And those are just written off as mm-hmm. not necessary because they're not, you can't reason them out or you can't talk them out. And, and that's part of what makes him God. Right. Like it can't all be reasoned out. It can't all be explained away. Sometimes you just have to know, like, this is hard for me. Like these things I've experienced that have made me this way. uh, I don't understand why a good God would allow me to experience them, but I don't doubt that he's still there. Yeah. And I can't remember if I said this a a couple of weeks ago, but Kurt Thompson uh, has a book called The Anatomy of the Soul. He's a Christian psychiatrist, and he talks about how so often when someone is wrestling with this why, like why would God allow this, why, 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 it's because dealing with the why, which is a, which is a more cognitive mm-hmm. wrestling match, sure. it's easier to get hung up on why than it is to deal with the discomfort of what has actually happened and mm, what I'm actually good. experiencing. Yeah. So I experience something terrible because we live in a broken world sure. and I want to, rather than just admit I'm sad, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm whatever, it's easier to get mad and hung mm. up on this why thing. Totally. And, and so again, this is all why it's important for us to understand that we have to be a safe and welcoming place for emotion. 
And then the, the last one I would say is just uh, the overall participation that we experience from people. And I think often we perceive this lack of participation as a commitment, uh, a discipleship issue alone. Uh, maybe uh, when in truth, I think what we're really dealing with is that there are emotional and mental health issues below the surface. Uh, I think um, uh, that's a really kind of nice way to say like it's way more complicated than right. we can imagine when people are not as engaged as we want them to be that they don't like put the sticker on their car and on their water bottle and then walk around with invite cards and just invite everyone to church mm -hmm. and then can't wait to serve every single week. We just assume it's gotta be an obedience yeah. issue. If you just love got, Jesus yeah. more, this, yeah. this would not be yep. a problem. Like think about Jesus on the cross. If you meditate mm -hmm. on that, you'll yeah. be willing to come early and brew coffee. Yeah. What, and, and what a it, shaming it's, way. It's not a real one-to-one -one there for yeah. me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I just think that um, it is complicated. I think uh, it, it's kind of related to mm -hmm. this, but an example I went through was that um, I, uh, at the church we worked at in North Carolina, their system for online giving was to call in, talk to, at that time, the full-time church bookkeeper, uh, have a whole conversation with that person, uh, explain what you'd want to do with giving, like, online or automatically, give all your information verbally over the phone and that person would then set it up. And if you'd ever want to change it, you'd have to call, have another conversation with that person and turn it off. So, so as you can imagine, the online giving was not a high percentage. Yeah, as you can imagine, it was like, like, like no one, yeah. basically. There were like a couple of people and that was it. And yeah. that was the only option we had. And uh, I recognize that online giving, uh, this was only a few years ago, was something that like you needed to have and get implemented. And so I started doing some shopping around and went with a company that I'm not even going to say the name of on this podcast because mm -hmm. I don't recommend them to anyone. <laughs> but back then, I didn't know then what I know now. Mm -hmm. uh, but this company does have really great sales and mm -hmm. really great marketing and all of those kind of things. And so uh, we were having this conversation because I also needed to sell our elders on the idea that we'd have a new option and all of that. And so I was just looking for like, give me some uh, ammo or give me some like, you know, a justification for why mm -hmm. we do this. And so they were just talking me through like, I, I mean, at that point, we had signed like an agreement that if our giving didn't grow by X percent, we get the whole first year free and all of those kind of things. And I was just like, why would you guys do this? And uh, I'll never forget the, the salesman made this comment. They said, you know, everyone in ministry assumes that the reason that people don't give at their church is a heart issue. It's about obedience. It's that they're selfish, whatever. And we have found through study after study after study, yes, that's true. And there's a large percentage of your people that find your way of doing it cumbersome and clumsy. They can't figure it out. And so they just don't because uh, it's too much work. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you in that church, that was absolutely true because mm -hmm. we saw a huge increase in giving. We also yeah. saw increase in people and all of that. But I think my mind was blown because I was one of those pastors that just assumed like it's if you understood issue. the importance of generosity, our responsibility of giving back to God from what he's given us to begin with, then you would just automatically give without without thinking about it, it would just happen. It was a heart issue, an mm -hmm. obedience issue. I love Jesus because he loves me first and and therefore I give. And come to find out, yeah, that's true in some cases. And sometimes it's just about the system or process that you have employed. All that to say, I think that my mind was blown by that. Yeah. And, and 
I had would have approached people in giving conversations and all of that with a very narrow-minded understanding of motivation mm-hmm. and come to find out I would have been way wrong. And, mm-hmm. and even in the past had approached some people like that. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I just think that that's, that's kind of the point here is that um, there's a lot more going on. Right. It's much more complicated. And it's so important as we interact with anyone, we recognize that there's way more going on than we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not only about laziness. It's not only about being a consumer. It's not only about those things. Sometimes people have a lot going on. Now, I also think it's important that we create an environment where we push people to grow and we invite them into the uncomfortable and we we make sure that they are uh, open to the fact of, yeah, like you might feel like you need six months of just just coming to church and and recognizing like and if everyone felt that way we'd have no more church right and so really being in a situation where uh, you help shepherd them through like all right so maybe it's not every week but maybe it's once and on a team that doesn't have that same requirement of you but instead of hiding away or coming to church late and leaving early uh, being in a safe environment where people can support you and be there for you and all of that yeah because when when everything comes down to like this heart obedience issue sure then the thing that that as a pastor you're always after is repentance yeah and sometimes repentance is not the sometimes you need to repent for being a bad pastor and making everything an issue in a way that it's not and and i just think that that again is an overly simplistic way of looking at all of these issues it is very very complicated for people and oftentimes one of if not the main component one of the components is there is an emotional health thing that is going on here that needs to be addressed absolutely so uh, we are going to land this plane here, but again, the, the overarching point that we are trying to make today is that we are emotional beings mm-hmm. as humans, and that means that emotion is the context in which everything happens. And so yep. for us to neglect that emo- the emotional component of people's lives is to miss one of the deepest and most profound aspects of someone's life. Absolutely. And we are not discipling people if we are not helping invite them to and walking them to a place of emotional health. Love it. So we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be continuing this conversation for a few more weeks. But until then, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And as always, if you would do us the great favor of leaving a review wherever you listen, we would really appreciate it. You can also find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. How long?